on Monster Kid Radio, I'm in the mood for some giant monsters. So, we're playing a little bit of music from the band Daikaiju. This is from their album Phase 2. It's the song Mr. Smooth Star. And when I think of smooth and giant monsters, I think of Nick Adams. So we're going to talk about a Nick Adams kaiju film here on the show. Frankenstein Conquers the World. Welcome to Monster Kid Radio, the podcast where we celebrate the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. I'm your host, writer, producer, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the show. We are up to episode 200. Is it 13 now? 213? Wow. 213 episodes of Monster Kid Radio, and I am thrilled to have you along for the ride. Any new listeners, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy your stay. Longtime listeners, welcome back. Thank you for continuing to listen to the podcast. So, Frankenstein Conquers the World is the movie on deck this week. I'm not doing it by myself. No, we had a listener reach out to me saying that he heard my appearance on the Kaiju cast not too long ago. Kaiju Cast is the podcast devoted to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes, produced by Kyle Yound. It is a treat. It's one of my favorite podcasts, one of the podcasts I listen to. As soon as it becomes available, as soon as a new episode downloads to my iTunes, I slap it onto my iPod and I am ready to go. Well, this week's guest heard me on the Kaiju Cast, reached out to me, and, and I'm happy to have him here on Monster Kid Radio. I'm talking about Tony Wendell, and we're going to talk about Frankenstein Conquers the World, Nick Adams, a little bit about his background when it comes to Kaiju. Looking forward to it. This should be a lot of fun. And you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and get to it right after this? With two of America's most blood chilling science fiction shockers, Island of the Burning Band, and Godzilla's Revenge. In this quiet setting, a tale of prehistoric horror is about to unfold with a science battling awakening of long gone giants. each other for the conquest of our planet. See the giant spiders spin their web of fear around their enemies. Godzilla's revenge knows no limit. No end. No stopping. See man's last attempt at saving humanity from destruction. And Godzilla's revenge. And on the same Shockfield program, Island of the Burning Dam. What is that strange noise and burning white heat that drove people to their death? I have been convinced that this island has become the center of an invasion. The central landing point for beings from another planet. What happens when an unknown power from outer space uses our radar signals as life-saving beacons to bring it to Earth to consume our energy? Island of the Burning Damned, an island desperate for help.
1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. Who is Mothra? What is Mothra? Why does all the world fear Mothra? They found him on an island in the remote Pacific. A monster cave creature discovered by a group of the world's leading scientists, worshipped as a god by the tiniest, loveliest women in all creation, sacred beauties of a lost tribe. See how he stands unscathed by tanks, artillery, dive bombers, rockets, all powerless against his devastating death ray. See how he eludes capture in his impenetrable cocoon, which no human force can open. See him unleash with a single tremendous breath the Earth's most fearsome hurricanes, wrecking trains and ships, uprooting bridges and buildings, wreaking havoc on land and sea, thrilling you, chilling you, holding you spellbound. What is the secret of Mothra? Insatiable, indestructible, indescribable, the screen's most fantastic dramatic spectacle, Mothra. like to welcome to the show uh, a new guest, but not necessarily a new listener. He's been listening to Monster Kid Radio, he tells me, since we crossed over with the Kaiju cast a little bit ago. He's been catching up ever since. I'd like to welcome to the show from the Gigantic Project at GiganticProject.com, Tony Wendell. How's it going, sir? Good. Thanks for having me. Thank you for reaching out to me after hearing me on the Kaiju cast. I loved hanging out with those guys, and I always love finding new monster kids and Kaiju kids to talk with. So thank you. No problem. Now, when you reached out to me, you wanted to talk about a Kaiju film, it sounds like. But first, you told me about the Gigantic Project, which is a a blog or a website that you run. The Gigantic Project is just me finally breaking down and... uh getting my name out there in the kaiju community by reviewing the giant monster and mecha anime that I love so much and just getting people more in the know of how awesome these genres are. You're preaching to the choir here. I love me a good kaiju film. I'm not very experienced with anime and mecha I'm slowly catching up on, but kaiju and I'm there. Yeah, mecha, you know, you just got to make sure with uh, all the different titles and stuff, recommendations are key, especially considering... Anime is so odd as a genre, you know, there's so many different times and so many different first movies. Where do you take people from there? I mean, sure, we've got that in the kaiju community, but, you know, we've got different eras and stuff Mm -hmm. that people will center on and say, oh, I watched this then. It's just like, okay, then I know where to to recommend for you and from there. Have you been a longtime fan or a fan pretty much as long as you can remember of kaiju? I actually know, thanks to the episode of the old TV show Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. Oh, wow. I remember the exact day that uh, I saw my first kaiju movie. All right. I remember the story. My uh, grandma took me to the video store, VHS video store. Oh, 
I miss those things sometimes. Oh, memories. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, thanks to just general references and stuff, people had told, you know, thanks to like TVs and just like Looney Tunes and Nicktoons and Tiny Tunes, all those different tunes. Uh, <laughs> I'd heard the name Godzilla and I'd wanted to know what, it, wait, a, so he's a giant monster that fights other giant monsters, and as and as a kid, I was like, "That sounds so cool!" <laughs> so I went to the video store, and I tracked down Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Oh, okay. And from there, it's just been a love of kaiju ever since. Two giant monster films: The War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. See the two mighty Gargantuas battle to the death. And on the same program, Rodan and Godzilla join forces to destroy the deadly Monster Zero. The War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. Both in color. Rated G. General audience from United Productions of America. A subsidiary of DEI Industries. February 19th, 1994. And you're able to link that to or remember that because there was an episode of Lois and Clark that came out that day? or Yeah, I remember that episode that came that Sunday was the one where a kid broke into Clark's home and found his orb that had the history of Krypton on it. That's awesome. <laughs> and Godzilla versus Monster Zero, that's a good one to start with. As a matter of fact, you know, best segue into what we're talking about today, we have the our actors Nick Adams and uh, Komi Muzino's other movie. Yes. That they started together. Oh, Nick Adams. I love me some good Nick Adams, and he's great. He's just oh, fantastic. Yeah. He's fun to watch. So fun to watch. So this is the kind of thing that you talk about over on The Gigantic Project. We'll make sure there's a link in the show notes at thegigantecproject.com. Did you want to talk about your other blog briefly? or Maybe, or we could come back to it later. Why don't we do that? Uh, okay. Good place to wrap up. Okay. In the ocean's unfathomable depths, a gigantic, man-like creature appears. depths of the earth comes a prehistoric mastodon of destruction never before has the screen known such heart-stopping terror starring nick adams well i feel he's very important from a scientific point of view i'd have to cut off a leg or an arm doctors i won't let you conduct this test frankenstein with the strength of a thousand men and every man's need for affection that makes him a willing captive. The chain hurts you. The new scoop of the century. The horrifying touch of a severed hand with a life of its own. Terrifying force of a monster that dwarfs man's tallest structures. Frankenstein Conquers the World is the movie that we're going to talk about, and clearly this was not a first-time viewing for you. When was the first time you saw this one, do you think? It was one of my later ones, actually. Uh, I was actually out of college. You know, it was as I was starting to 
try to get through the ones that non-Godzilla-related Toho, mm-hmm. this one, of course, and Atragon, and all those good ones. Just trying to pick up the pieces of the ones I hadn't seen from Toho yet. It was, uh, I want to say, about seven years ago, give or take. Mm-hmm. This one was not one that I saw immediately myself when I started going through the Kaiju films. And we talked about how you found Monster Kids Radio through the Kaiju cast. It was actually the Kaiju cast that introduced me to Kaiju films proper. Uh, I hadn't really watched a lot of them growing up myself. Didn't really have a lot of experience. I knew what Mothra was. I knew what Godzilla was. I knew what Gamera was, thanks to Mystery Science Theater 3000. But it wasn't until Kyle and company hosted a screening of Godzilla vs. King Kong at a local theater here that I finally sat down and watched from start to finish. And I just fell in love with the magic of giant monsters. It was amazing to me. So I've gone through and watched pretty much all of them that I can get my hands on since. Frankenstein Conquers the World is a unique one. Unique is the best way to say it. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have the immediate connective tissue or, or connecting elements to the other kaiju films. Not, not immediate, anyway. I mean, you got to dig a little bit. I still really enjoyed it. And as I mentioned earlier, I had a, a guest on not too long ago who mentioned it's one of his favorite Frankenstein movies ever. So I was excited to talk about it here on the show, and I was excited that you brought it up. Now, earlier when you were referring to the title, it sounded like you were struggling a little bit. You were going to call it Frankenstein versus Baragon. In Japan, it got the release of Frankenstein versus Subterranean Monster Baragon. Ah, okay. And of course, when it was released over here, it had to have another title because that's just what they did. Which title do you prefer? Well, let's just keep with Frankenstein Conquers the World. That's what your listeners are going to recognize more. Yeah, I think that's how it's been released every time over here on DVD. I don't think it's had a Blu-ray release, but every DVD release I've seen has been like this. And there's an incredible two-disc release of this that Media Blasters put out not too uh, long ago, a few years ago. Unfortunately, it uh, has slipped into the zone of not in reprint and 60 bucks off Amazon. It's unfortunate because it's gorgeous. Is that the version you have, or what version do you have? actually didn't have a proper version. I was mm. going to grab one to rewatch for this recording, and I sent a friend to a local comic book convention, the Motor City Comic Con over in Detroit, Michigan, and she quoted me the price tag of 60 bucks. I was just like, whoa, that's uh, a little more than I was willing to spend for this bad boy. Yeah, it looks like it's going for 60 70 on Amazon right now. It's unfortunate. More people need to see this one, I think. Not just because of Dick Adams. I mean, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. Well, I don't know. Do you have much experience with Nick Adams? Other than uh, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, no, actually. I don't believe I've seen many of the American side of his uh, career. He's not known for a lot of genre film. In fact, he is probably more, most well-known for being in uh, James Dean's Rebel Without a Cause. He did some television, a show called The Rebel. But... You know, it's Monster Kids. We got to celebrate that he did some monster movies. He appeared in a film with Boris Karloff. He did these kaiju films. He was also in a movie called Mission Mars that I think is really underrated and I really enjoy. It also stars Darren McGavin. So, you know, Nick Adams, I feel like, could have done more genre films, and he seemed to enjoy doing them. I've read some interviews where he talked about how much fun they were were to do. Unfortunately, he uh, had his life cut short, suicide. And under some kind, under what I've been told, it is almost mysterious circumstances. Yeah, it's a little iffy. Of course, there were some rumors about his relationship with James Dean and some other things, but and also the relationship in terms of uh, being rumored to fall in love with his actresses. Yeah, which makes me wonder of you know just a couple scenes in both the 
movies he starred in with uh, Kumi, with, you know, here in Frankenstein Conquers the World, they're cooking for each other and just like being a little bit too much extra lovey-dovey. And then back <laughs> at Monster Zero, where they have that goodbye kiss, which is just like, dang. Yeah. You, you mentioned the cooking scene, and I have to laugh because <laughs> the image of him in that chef's hat, so excitedly cooking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they didn't make the movie poster. That's awesome. I think if they ever do another re-release, that should be what's on the cover. You know, he's you know, there's uh, Frankenstein taking down Baragon, and he's just right there with the chef hat in the right corner. Yeah, looking so happy. <laughs> so Nick Adams is probably our American touchstone for this, but he's the only American actor in this. Or everybody else are Japanese. You mentioned uh, Kumi. Is it Minnesota? I've been watching the movies. I've been listening to the Kaiju cast. I am not going to be able to pronounce the names. I'm working on it. It's Kumi Mizuno. Mizuno? Yeah. Uh, your Japanese is about as good as mine is going to be. So Okay. Okay. Well, Kumi, she's adorable in this. She's always adorable. Mm-hmm. And she's done a few other films as well. Uh, well, most of these performers have been in other films with Toho. She was in War of the Gargantuas, Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster, Matengo, which is great. Recover. Did that one years ago on Monster Kid Radio with Tom Bigler. She came back in 2002 to do Godzilla against Mechagodzilla and 2004's Godzilla Final Wars, making her have the what they we were calling the Shinsei era of Godzilla films. Mm-hmm. I think listeners know the eras, or at least most of them are familiar with it. Do we want to talk about the eras real quick? There's Showa. Yeah, the Showa era in Japan went until. Uh, 1989 with the previous emperor of Japan, so most all those movies. But actually, because of the comeback with the return of Godzilla, a.k.a. in America, Godzilla 1985, they actually debut into the new Japanese era, the Heisei era, there. We're still actually technically in the, the Heisei era of Japan. Okay. But thanks to the colossal ending that is Godzilla vs. Destroya... That's when a lot of Godzilla fans ended the Heisei era of Godzilla and had the Shinsei, or just new era, I think that's what Shin, the other, what Sei means, Okay. when he came back to Japan with Godzilla 2000. Okay. I've also heard that referred to as the Millennium series. So there's Showa, Heisei, Millennium. Yep. Where does this one fit, the Frankenstein Conquest of the World? Day-wise, it came out in... 1965, so let's see. The that Godzilla, would be Showa, right? That, it is Showa. Okay. Just trying to get where it would be between in terms of releases. Oh, yeah, it puts it right between uh, Versus the Sea Monster and Son of Godzilla on its release. Oh, Son of Godzilla. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're not all classics. I was going to say, we love these movies, even the ones that make us kind of groan a little bit. So, <laughs> Still better than Godzilla's Revenge. Oh, man, see, you had to go there. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Back to to therapy for all all of us to repress it some more. Yeah, yeah. No, we love them all. It's all right. We love them all. So So this one is in the Showa era. And let's see, we mentioned Nick, Kumi. There's somebody in this movie that was in the very first Godzilla film, and I had forgotten that until I sat down to rewatch it for the show. Takashi Shimura is in the movie. Ah, yes. So Shimura. That's right. I mean, he was in the very first Godzilla film and the second one. Like I said, I totally forgot that he was in this and it was just a nice surprise playing Dr. Yamani. Well, we'll call him Dr. Yamani because that's what he was called in Godzilla King of the Monsters when it was released here. But he's the one who does not want to see Godzilla killed in the first film. 
He's the scientist, and he's great. And to see him turn back up in this and looking just as sad and distraught. <laughs> well, he was play- in that movie. He was playing a veterinarian, so he fe- had the care for animals. They so didn't want to see Godzilla get hurt because he was a product of humans and just human interaction. Mm-hmm. So he probably felt the same way about poor Frankenstein here, who's just a victim of circumstance and is unable to fit into our world. True. True. But he's only in the beginning of the movie. I mean, he's one of the uh, scientists working for the Axis, the side of the war that lost. And that's what I found interesting about this movie as well, is that there are so many elements and callbacks to what happened during World War II and the U.S. forces dropping the atomic bomb on Japan. It's pretty in your face. It only been about 10 years. I don't know. When did Japan's reconstruction actually end or when did they timestamp the ending of the reconstruction uh that i don't know off the top of my head i could be spewing lies here but they're at the tail end of the reconstruction they would had to build an entire model set of the area to redo the nuclear bomb coming down on hiroshima yeah that must have been really hard for the creators it's very blatant and i was i'm shocked i mean i know in godzilla they kind of dance around it a little bit but Wow, this one really set me back that they were so matter of fact. Yeah, this is what happened. And I'm Nick Adams, a scientist who felt bad about how we screwed up Japan with radiation. And now we're going to try to fix it. It just seemed really upfront and in your face. And I mean, it's refreshing, but kind of ballsy. It definitely is to be able to tap into that level of hurt. And let's be honest, Toho at this time, they're rocking the miniatures. You know, the miniature work is insanely good. And to do the miniatures that's recreating such a horrific event must have, again, kudos to the creators because it was obviously intensely emotional for them. Sure, sure. Well, the movie was directed by Ashura Honda, who is a master director of these kinds of films. So I suppose I would expect nothing less from him when it comes to the way he directs his films and the way he's able to get these emotions on screen, even though people can scoff at these movies as giant monsters trashing cities. And there's a big part of that, but there's always a good story and there's several themes to dive into behind the scenes. And Honda was just one of the best at doing that. Indeed. Is there anybody else in the cast that stood out for you? No one offhand is coming to mind. Clearly, when it comes to the human characters, it's Nick Adams and Kumi's story. Oh, yeah. And, of course, we got the guy playing Frankenstein, who I didn't recognize and apparently didn't do a heck of a lot more. This may have been one of only two films that he did, according to the Internet Movie Database. Koji Furuhata, I believe is how you pronounce his name. I'm looking at his uh, Wikipedia right now. It all only really mentions Frankenstein Conquers the World and a movie called Love at 20. Not overly familiar with his background. Clearly, he wasn't an actor. He may have been a stunt person or, or something. I do find it odd that in the film, they try to pass him off as a Caucasian. I don't think he looks very Caucasian. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Although, I mean, it would make sense that Frankenstein would be a Caucasian because it is the Frankenstein monster. But still, it just didn't work, guys. You didn't have to do it. We would have bought it anyway, I think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're buying that the Nazis have found the still-beating heart of the Frankenstein monster and are going to run experiments on it. You know, we're really at a level we'll take, as long as you're keeping on that uh, mindset, we'll take about anything, really. True, true. It's it's not a hard sell after you get past that. Uh, and then, of course, the music is by Akira Ofukabe and another master. 
If you don't have Akira Ofukabe in your MP3 or CD collection, you're missing out. Amen. You are missing out. So the movie was released in 1965 and apparently did well enough for them to bring Nick Adams back. It was a co-production with American International here in the States, so we could have a release over on, on both sides of the ocean. I'm not sure how it did here in the States. Are you familiar with how well it did over here? Not box office-wise. I do know that in terms of just the general fandom, people have a soft spot for Baragon as a character. I don't hear people claim, you know, that they love the Frankenstein monster in this as much as I hear, oh, Baragon, oh, Baragon, we love Baragon. <laughs> so Baragon is the actual monster monster that Frankenstein fights. Has Baragon turned up in anything else? In All Monsters Attack, Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah. Okay. Godzilla is a reincarnation of the spirits of World War II who are angry at the modern world for forgiving, forgetting them. Okay. Luckily, there's three guardian monsters set up to protect Japan from an evil spirit of that magnitude. The first one he fights is Baragon. God, now I need to go back and rewatch that one. Darn. I thought Baragon was a cool monster design. I mean, he looks interesting. I, I liked his face. You know, he's got the horn and the glowing eyes and all that. And I, where do you come down on Baragon? I like him. He's just, he's so more, one of the more pleasant-looking giant monsters. He looks like a big puppy, really. He does, and he moves like a dog. I love the way the body acting is taking place here. Whoever was in the suit, haha, <laughs> here we go, pronouncing the Japanese names, Haru Nakajima brought a cute, vulnerable animal kind of feel essence yeah that's a good word for it a good way to put it so he does kind of now he's fighting somebody i mean he and frankenstein start wrestling around with each other and he's trying to to hurt people but that's what kaiju do so you can't really fault him for that but yeah he does look like a puppy i think that's a good way to put it a fire breathing puppy but still a puppy yeah yeah, it's true it's true oh cute little puppy whoa what are you doing yeah but yeah, I do like him. Now, I guess he turned up where the costume or the suit ended up being used quite a bit, recycled and, and modified for other monsters, uh, not just in Godzilla films, but for Ultraman, which I'm a big fan of. Yes, I've seen the original myself and actually just recently found the Ultraman that I can say is my Ultraman because I enjoy it so much. Uh-oh, which one's that? Amoebius. Okay, that one I'm not familiar with yet. It was the anniversary one. Oh, okay, okay. I'm up to date on my kaiju. I am so far behind on my Ultraman. <laughs> I'm making my way through Ultraman 80 on Crunchyroll right now, and I'm loving that. So That's how I'm watching Mebius right now. I've only actually seen all the way through the original Ultraman series, thanks to 10 bucks at Walmart. Here's the whole series. Just like, yes, please, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Sign me up. Yeah, but getting through the other ones, it, it was kind of hard because the original Ultraman, it was... Good, but I didn't have a favorite with it. Unlike one of my other favorite Japanese franchise, Kamen Rider, my first show was Blade, and Blade, Kamen Rider Blade became one of my personal favorites. Okay. But now that I have Mebius and I have the, this is your favorite, this is why you keep diving in to find things just as good as this. Oh, there you go. Okay. If you don't find your favorite that keeps reminding you why you're in the genre, it's really hard to get in the genre. Yeah, it's probably time to kind of move on. Oh, yeah. And I've done that actually recently myself with quite a few things. So find the stuff that brings you joy and hold on to that, you know, even if it's a guy in a monster suit. It's all good. (laughs) This is a safe place. It's all right. Nobody's going to judge you for that. Now, Baragon's cool. I like Baragon. Since Baragon turns up in another film, the... GMK, Giant Monsters All Out Attack. Does that technically make Frankenstein Conquest of the World part of the Godzilla canon? Part of the continuity? For what it is. 
Well, at the same time, in GMK All Out Attack, there's an explanation. You know, he's a guardian monster. There's an there's an explanation for his origin and presence. But mm-hmm. going back to here in Frankenstein Conquers the World, we actually have absolutely no origin or explanation where he comes from. He does just kind of pop up near the end of the film. It's not really his story. It seemed a little tacked on. I mean, I hate to say that phrase because it sounds like maybe we didn't enjoy his presence, but... No, no, I'd, I'd go perfectly with using the phrase tacked on because look at uh, Frankenstein. They take an elaborate amount of time to look at his healing abilities and, you know, his growth rate and his weaknesses, just like the original Frankenstein, how light, certain light sources will bother him. Then all of a sudden, you know, just like, out of nowhere, right out of the ground, there's Baragon. <laughs> Any explanation at all, please, you know... Nuclear waste, nuclear, you know, it's just, we'll take anything right now. Oh, guys, remember, we're making a monster movie in Japan. Put a guy in a suit, let's do it. Yeah, it just felt very, again, tacked on. It doesn't mean we didn't enjoy Baragon. I love Baragon. But something would have been nice. Some sort of, I don't know, reason that the two of them have to fight. Some reason as to why Baragon is making his move now. Something would be good. Yeah, it's really a turf war that just happens because both monsters are just out in our technically are in the right area at the right time <laughs> or wrong depending on what's the point no, of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. depending <laughs> if you're the humans that have to get out of the way of that carnage this is true this is true frankenstein does cause quite a good bit of damage i love that he's picking up trees and throwing them around i love that i don't think i've seen that with many other giant monster movies probably because they don't have opposable thumbs but I love that he's like ripping up stuff out of the ground and using that as a weapon and throwing things around and all that. That to me was a lot of fun to see. I love the tree flying through the air and when it lands on the little shack and the two guys just go running from it, trying to change up the game a little bit. Normally the kaiju either blow things up with their fire breath or stomp on something. So that, that was nice to see. Totally. We're going to come back here in a couple of days with Tony to continue to speak about Frankenstein Conquers the World. If you need more Tony between now and then, go to his website at thegigantecproject.com. Go check out all of his reviews on kaiju, mecha, anime, and as his website says, everything large. This episode is going to be released the 30th of June. So... Depending on when you hear this, you may still have time to make plans to get yourself to the Hollywood Theater in Portland, Oregon for the next Monster Kid Radio Crash. They're showing Horror of Dracula. This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. This is not Lucy, the sister you loved. It's only a shell, possessed and corrupted by the evil of Dracula. How do you destroy a fiend who has so far proven himself indestructible? Those who come to end his reign of terror stay to become his victims. Castle Dracula is summoned here in Klausenberg. Will you tell me how I get there? You ordered a meal, sir. 
As an innkeeper, it's my duty to serve you. When you've eaten, I ask you to go and leave us in peace. This is the doctor who dares to challenge the vampire Dracula. This is the anguished man who fears for the lives of his beloved, the girl who is his sister, and the one that is his wife. Dracula, the bedeviled master of all that is evil. Part of their Christopher Lee tribute night, they're also going to be showing The Wicker Man. Well, I'm not going to be able to stick around for The Wicker Man, but Horror of Dracula, I've got to see this on the big screen. Are you kidding me? Can't miss that. Showtime is at 7.30. That's when the movies start. Tickets are $8. It is recommended you buy your tickets in advance. There is a Facebook event set up for the Monster Kid Radio Crash. I hope to see you there. If you do show up, know that I've got my portable recorder with me, so I'll be recording from the show. So listeners who can't make it to the movie tonight, well, you're going to hear about the crash on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. And if you do show up, I may even ask to put you on the show. I'm hard to miss if you've never met me before. I'm the big guy with the Monster Kid Radio shirt who looks like he's having the most fun in the room. The sound you hear is dripping blood. This is the start of Black Sunday. Black Sunday comes but once every hundred years. On that day, the undead demons of hell rise to unleash an orgy of evil on the world. From Nicolaj Gogol's great classic, American International Pictures presents Black Sunday, the most frightening motion picture you have ever seen. She was murdered 500 years ago. There in the barren waste that was her cemetery, they nailed the mask of Satan to her face. Not since Dracula stalked the earth has there been such an unspeakable day and night as Black Sunday. You know, Portland's got a lot of comic book conventions, geek events, media shows, things like that. But Portland, Oregon has never had a horror convention proper, and that's changing this November with the Living Dead Horror Convention. You can find out about them over at livingdeadcon.com or follow the link in the show notes. Now, the organizers are doing their best to bring in a wide variety of horror personalities. We've got authors like Joe R. Lansdale coming. We've got actors and actresses from movies like Friday the 13th and the TV show Twin Peaks. But Monster Kid Radio is extremely excited because one of the announced guests is an icon a woman who has been in some classic monster movies and horror movies, the kinds of movies that we love to watch here at Monster Kid Radio headquarters, and I'm referring to Barbara Steele. She will be at the convention. Now, this convention happens November 13th through the 15th, and, you know, you can actually start buying your tickets now. $20 for Friday, 30 for Saturday, 25 for Sunday, or you can buy a weekend pass for $50, and Monster Kid Radio will be there. Now, the panels have not been announced yet. That's actually still in the planning stages. However, I have been speaking with the person who is organizing and deciding the panels. And, yeah, I'm going to do my best to get Monster Kid Radio involved in the show. Either way, I know I'm going to be on the floor with my portable recorder and my Monster Kid Radio shirt standing in line to talk to Barbara Steele. It's at the Oregon Convention Center this November. If you're in the area, I'd love to see you. 
Once again, thanks to Tony for joining me this week on Monster Kid Radio to talk about Frankenstein Conquers the World. We'll be back in a couple of days for more of that. Between now and then, if you want to know anything about Monster Kid Radio, head over to our website at monsterkidradio.net. This is where you're going to find links to everything that we talk about here on the show, links to Tony's websites, as well as links to things like our Facebook group and our Patreon page, where you can become a patron of Monster Kid Radio and help support the show that way. And depending on what level you support the show at, well, you might get yourself some cool rewards, like receiving the Monster Rally Checkpoint newsletter a little earlier than everybody else, or maybe even getting yourself a Monster Kid Radio Care package. So go check that out. Big thanks to everybody who supported us on Patreon so far. And because this is the final episode of June, I think it's time to give a shout out to the executive producers, the people who have supported Monster Kid Radio at the AIP level or higher. I'm talking about people like Justin Giallo, Mike Tatino, Tom and Eileen, also known as Wolfie, Mitch Gonzalez, Tracy and Scott Morris, Joseph Perry, Andy Campbell, Stephen Turner, Frank Schuldiner, and Dorado Films. Thank you for your patronage and support. Now, speaking of that Monster Rally Checkpoint newsletter, on our website, over on the left, you can put in your email address and subscribe and get yourself a monthly email newsletter from me, keeping you up to date with everything going on with Monster Kid Radio, as well as some extra content. I have a column I write over there called The Creature Connection. There's some monster movie horror trivia, and if you haven't already done so, I have not released the June edition yet. There's still time for you to sign up for that. It comes out near the end of the month. Our contact information is also on our website. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And our voicemail line is 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. And I think finally I'd like to bring your attention to the stores button. You can get to Amazon and pick up a few things through Amazon, giving us a couple of pennies along the way. Or you can go to our Zazzle store where you can buy yourself something that I just put up for sale. We're calling it the Sauce of Yucca Flats. That's right. You may have heard of the Beast of Yucca Flats. Well, this is the sauce of Yucca Flats, where you can open a bottle, things happen, and a meal becomes a beast. Five different varieties of this hot sauce, and I've got some here, and it's pretty awesome. So we're at the tail end of the episode, so I think it's time to remind you that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0, unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Mr. Smooth Star. That belongs to the band Daikaiju. It's from their album Phase 2, and I don't think I mentioned this at the top of the show. You can find them at daikaiju.bandcamp.com. Dot com. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. Oh.